Hey, this is Tim Ripper Owens, and you are listening to Thunder Underground. Let's rock. Welcome to episode 328 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Trent here. Jason's not with me this week, but I had to drop a second episode this week because we've got Tim Ripper Owens joining us. This is very cool. I say this a lot, but this is one of those guys that I really wanted to get on here since we started this thing over six years ago. 320 plus episodes in, we got Ripper on here, and we're going to talk about all kinds of stuff. The new album from KK's Priest, if you haven't heard about that, you're going to hear all about it. And of course, his time in Judas Priest, his time in Iced Earth, he talks about three trimmers and some other stuff he's got coming up. Didn't have enough time to get into everything I wanted to, but maybe we'll have him back one day and talk about Beyond Fear and some other stuff, because man, this guy is a workhorse, I guess is a good way to put it. He's one of those guys that never stops. And we're going to talk about that as well. So, all that's coming up here in just a bit. But first, got to let you know who we're sponsored by. Let's start with Sunset Tattoo. Right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Sunset Tattoo is in Midtown Tulsa. Their tattoos are done good and proper. They're state licensed. Most importantly, they're mother approved. Jake has over 25 years of experience doing tattoos. If you're from the Tulsa area, I'm sure you've seen Jake around, even if you're not on a first-name basis with him. He's one of those guys that you know. You've seen him at a show. I've got a tattoo done by him, so I'm speaking from first-hand knowledge that he does good work. I know several other people that have personally had tattoos done by him, and he's tattooed many musicians that have rolled through this town when they're on tour. So give him a call. Hit him up on Facebook and Instagram, Sunset Tattoo Tulsa, on both of those, to see tons of pictures of all his work. If you give him a call or shoot him a message, you can set up a time to get in there. Talk about what you want to have done, and he'll do it for you. He does great work. He won't do it this weekend, if you're listening right when this drops, because he's actually out there at Psycho Vegas. That festival's been going on a few years, and every year I'm like, I'm going to make it. This year. And every year, I'm sitting here not making it to Psycho Vegas for some damn reason. And this year, it actually worked out to where I could have. Where in previous years, it didn't work out with, you know, a festival I was working or just life in general. You know how it goes. Psycho Vegas, that lineup is always killer. This year is no exception. So, if you're lucky enough to be out there, you know, shoot us a message after the fact and tell us how it was. Maybe I'll try to get Jake on here to talk about it. I've been bugging him for six years to be on this show, so it's going to happen soon enough. Soon enough. So, Sunset Tattoo, give him a call. Tell him you heard about him here. You've also got Med Farm, a dispensary located in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, 24683 East Highway 51. They're right off the highway. You can't miss them. They've got a drive through which is a great deal for a dispensary because you can call them ahead. You can text or email ahead, place your order and then go right through that drive through and pick it up and be on your way. You can see their entire selection at leafly.com. Their website is medfarmok.com. Facebook is medfarmok. And, no, excuse me, Instagram is medfarmok, and Facebook is just medfarm. That's P-H-A-R-M. They always have specials running on their social media, so get on there and check those out. But a special that is always running is if you mention Thunder Underground, They'll give you 20% off your first order, which is very, very cool. And on top of all of that, 30% of their proceeds go 
to build no-kill animal shelters. That is a huge thing. There's not another dispensary around here doing that. There's probably very few companies in this land that donate a third of their profits 100% of the time, you know, to a cause. And they're doing it to a great cause, something that is definitely needed around here. So give these guys your business and tell them you heard about them on Thunder Underground. We've also got Hell Hot Hot Sauce, a hot sauce company based out of the San Francisco Bay Area. They make small batch artisan hot sauces. You can check out their entire line at hellahothotsauce.com. You can also hit them up on Facebook or Instagram at Hella Hot Hot Sauce. If you're on the West Coast, there are a lot of stores out there. You can buy it firsthand, but if you are anywhere else, hit them up on that website. Buy some stuff, get it shipped to you. The cool thing about Hell Hot Hot Sauce is the bottles look cool. Even if you just if you're not into hot sauce, but say you're a fan of hate breed. And you're like, man, I don't know. I'm not big into to spice, but you love hate breed. Get on there and buy yourself a bottle of Florida Franks Florida Heat. Just because it's a cool bottle, you're supporting a great company out of San Francisco Bay Area, and you're supporting Florida Frank, Frank Novanek from Hate Breed. And hey, they've got other collaborations. Ghoul has a sauce called Brain Jerk. Techno Destructo has a sauce called Garlic Death Grip. They've announced that Zetro from Exodus has a sauce coming. Death Angel also has a sauce coming. So we'll be talking about all that when it happens. So, hit up Hella Hot Hot Sauce and tell them you heard about them here. Finally, we've got DEB Concerts, our longest-running sponsor. We love Doug and his crew. They've been bringing great concerts to the Tulsa area for the past several years. Coming up in less than two weeks, or exactly two weeks from today, is the kickoff, the pre-party for Rocklahoma. Labor Day weekend, Rocklahoma's happening out in prior like it does every year. This is the 14th edition. I've been lucky enough to be to every single one of them. And Doug and the DEB concerts book the Roadhouse stage at Rocklahoma every year. This year's no different. Some great acts on there. Stephen Piercy of Rat and the Bullet Boys are playing the pre-party on Thursday night. There's also going to be other bands throughout the weekend, like Dead Metal Society and Rocket Science, Severmind, Fist of Rage, John Five who you know from Rob Zombie, and of course his amazing instrumental work. I've never got the chance to see this guy on his solo sets, so I'm really excited about this. He's also going to be out there, of course, with Rob Zombie, but that's going to be on the main stage. But Get Over the Roadhouse stage would also feature Puddle of Mud and a lot of other regional acts. It's going to be a great time. DBConcerts.com is where you can be kept up to date on info on any of their upcoming shows post Rocklahoma, and of course, we'll let you know about him here, and there's a very good chance that here, within the next couple episodes before Rocklahoma, you might hear Doug Burgess on here, so be on the lookout for that. Alright, jumping into some Ripper talk. If you've been living under the rock for the last 25 years, and you're not familiar with the name Tim Ripper Owens, I'm sure you're familiar with the names of the bands that he's been a part of, at least the big one, of course, was Judas Priest. He's the guy that took over for Rob Halford when Rob Halford departed in the early 90s. They brought in Tim Ripper Owens, and of course, the rest is history. That story is world-renowned in the rock world. In case you did not know, which you should know, most everybody knows this by now, the movie Rockstar that Mark Wahlberg starred in 
was loosely based around the life of Tim Ripper Owens. You know, it's a movie, and I know in interviews, of course, Ripper says they took a lot of liberties in the story, but that's what Hollywood does. But it, the concept is there. A guy that was in a tribute band for a band he loved got to step in and fill in, take over the reins as the lead singer of that band. And he did it for two studio albums and a couple of live albums with Priest. And if you went to sleep on that and didn't check those out, or you just blew it off because it wasn't Halford, go back and revisit those two albums. Great stuff. I'm not joking. I'm not just saying that because he's the guest. This is good stuff. It's out there, Jugulator and Demolition. So check those albums out. And since then, this guy just does all kinds of great stuff. He went straight into Iced Earth, one of my favorite metal bands of all time. And is another thing. He took over the vocal duties from a guy that was beloved by a lot of metal fans in Matt Barlow. And he had a different style of voice. And he completely owned it. The Glorious Burden and Framing Armageddon are the two albums he did. Freaking fantastic stuff. So another thing that you need to check out if you have not, if you like your classic heavy metal sound, you're going to love these. The Glorious Burden is a full-on concept album, and it's just monumental. If you're an Iron Maiden fan and you love those big grand concept style things, that that album's chock full of them. And hell, it's got a song called Gettysburg on it that's like freaking 40 minutes long, I think. I need to look at the track time. I haven't listened to that full track in a while, but... Such a great album. 2006, Ripper released the Beyond Fear album. I'd love to see that come back at some point. Great stuff as well. I've still got a sticker, a Beyond Fear sticker slapped on my desk. It's actually in the room that I was talking to Ripper on when we did this interview the other night on Zoom. And I didn't even think about it until after the fact, you know. I guess I could have been a dork fanboy and said, hey, look at this sticker, but you know, whatever. He's also got Charred Walls of the Damned. They've got, I believe, three records now. And just heavy as hell. That stuff takes it to another level. So check that out if you have not as well. And the guy just keeps putting out music. He's done a lot of the the tribute albums and that kind of thing. And hearing his voice on different styles of rock and metal is always cool to me. I absolutely love his version of Hey Jude from the Butchering the Beatles album. That came out probably 10 or 15 years ago. That's such a cool album. Because, you know, a lot of those tribute albums, in my opinion, kind of sound forced and just slapped together. But Butchering the Beatles, to me, really came off well. It's done the same way where every track has just a, you know, conglomeration of guys from different bands put together to record this song. But, you know, it's it's very cool. And it's got, you know, Karabi and Jeff Tate and Lemmy. All kinds of great stuff on there, so check that out if you have not. Check out his version of Hey Jude. And he's done tons of other great stuff. But KK's Priest, this album's coming out October 1st. We're a little under two months till this thing hits the shelves. And they've already got three tracks released. They've got a fourth one coming soon. I got the opportunity to hear a couple more of these. If you love Priest, there's no way that you're not going to like this. Because KK Downing wrote this entire album. Of course, a founding member of Priest, part of that huge guitar sound. And then you add Ripper's vocals on top of this. It's just killer stuff, man. This is one of those albums that I think 
is going to be a shot in the arm to metal, you know, kind of like D. Snyder's new solo album and his previous solo album. All that great stuff. You just check out KK's Priest, pull it up on YouTube or Spotify or wherever you listen to music if you haven't heard it yet. Pre-order this album, Sermons in the Center, and get ready for some kick-ass metal. And let's just talk to Ripper now and find out about what he's got to say about it. Here is Tim Ripper Owens of KK's Priest. the anticipation on getting this thing out is that kind of tough to deal with i mean i mean you've been doing this for a long ass time but i just assume yeah. you get a record done then you got to wait to put it out for months yeah you know um obviously because this one's just been a non-stop uh delay hasn't it you know yeah. just getting it done and being excited well i mean getting the recording done it necessarily wasn't done and all of a sudden you know the covid hit so we uh you know, it, it changes everything. And then we just had this last delay, which I'm not exactly sure what happened here. But from what I understand, I think it was just the demand was was pretty high, uh, was good. Let's just say the demand was good. Um, but everything's, you know, being affected still by by covid and just people not wanting to go back to work. Really, I think I don't know if it's even covid as much anymore as just people living off getting some money and not wanting to work. Right. Um, but, but things are the production time for things like the vinyl is way behind, you know, I mean, it's way, I mean, you've probably heard it from other artists and people you've interviewed. I know with three trimmers, I mean, Sean was saying it's so far behind and it, uh, you know, it's crazy. So I think you want to try to put everything out together. You don't want to put the CD out or, or release it digitally and the people aren't getting their vinyl that pre-ordered it or whatever. So I think, I think that was the big one. But it's, it's, you know, we just want to get it out because we've given everybody a little sample. We've given them, you know, we'll be going on the fourth song that we're giving them. And, and they're all a little bit different. The last two will be more commercialized, straightforward. And the first two were straightforward metal. So you want people to start hearing it and seeing the whole thing. But it's killing us. You know, we can't tour. We can't do anything. So it's kind of crazy. How did this whole project come together? I mean, was this... Were you surprised whenever you were approached about doing this with KK? Uh, I was, you know, when we did, we did a show in 2019 and, and it, that show started because Ellison, David Ellison was playing uh, KK's place. He was on like a tour over there doing like a, some kind of a thing. And he said to uh, Ken, you want to come up and jam? And it kind of started, the wheels started turning then. And, and then they were like, we should get Ripper to come in and sing. And they got Les Binks to come in and play and, you know, AJ was was on guitar, so he's he's still with it. But I think I got the wheels turning. I think right before that, uh, KK had played Bloodstock and uh, with Ross the Boss, he did a couple songs, and I think it did. But I think once, you know, Priest, it wasn't going to happen for the 50th anniversary tour with Ken. They said, you know, this, you know, you're not going to do it. Uh, you know, Ripper's not going to be involved. You're not going to be involved. Um, I think he was ready to go and do something then. So he called me. And the big thing with me, uh, Trent, was I'm pretty busy. 
you know, I mean, everybody yeah. knows that I'm just nonstop working. So they had to not only see if I was interested, which they knew that. I mean, it wasn't a question they knew I was going to be interested. But if I had, if I could make sure I was going to put all 100% time into them, because, you know, three trimmers, we could be touring most of the year. So, I mean, solo, I tour most of the year. So I could be touring 75% of the year. I'm, I'm out on the road touring. So, you know, I think once that, once I told them I'm 100% in, after I heard the music, but I know how Ken writes and his talent, so I wasn't worried about it. Uh, but once once I told him I was 100% in, you know, so I wasn't really shocked that that they that he asked me, you know, because we've been friends for so long, and and he's always you know talking great about my voice, so I knew it was going to happen. What was the their whole recording process? What was it like getting back in a studio and working with him after nearly 20 years since the last time he did that? Yeah, it was really great, you know. Um, really easy. I mean, you know, the greatest thing is <clears throat> that the, the record was, you know, he are, he'd already written, written it and AJ, you know, cause he started doing it early. So he wanted to really get a head start. And the best part is he was writing it for my vocals. You know, he's kind of like, okay. so, but he had AJ lay down some, the guitar player, AJ laid down some vocal tracks. I'm like, man, oh man, he can sing boy. I'm like, you got this young stud singing, you're going to hand it off to the old man. You know, it's like, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I had, but luckily it was written for me. Um, you know, it was great. I went, we, I had a choice. I could have went to a big studio in like London or, or been in like Ken's house, uh, just in a little room, you know, doing a little studio room. And, and I was like, let's just do it in your house, you know, and, uh, chill and, you know, have some tea and end the day and have a pint. And, and, uh, it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, and again, like I said, it made it didn't make it too too difficult because of vocally it was it was you know all my style. And I like, you know, sure, and I was able to add you know change things around and and work things and say I should sing this higher, uh, I should sing it lower, uh, raspy, whatever you know. I even and then I got to be honest because COVID hit when I came home, KK started wanting to change things. Right. He's like, oh, let's change this around. And, you know, Sermons of the Center was actually a, a nastier. The verses were nastier. They were the same pitch, but they were they were very raspy, you know. Uh, and then he was like, hey, why don't you try to sing it? Because I as a matter of fact, I'm singing right here in my studio now where I sing all the time. And okay. I'm working on a song right now. We can see it on something. But um, we. Um, we did it clean. We tried to do a clean version of it, you know, like a like a clear and not raspy. So we were going over stuff. So I was fortunate to come home and be able to redo things and uh, uh, re-sing some words, re-sing some parts. And uh, it was pretty cool. But it was fun to be in the studio. I love, see, with me, I don't like to be into a control room or, or a real big studio. I like to just go into, I like to be in the control room. I mean, like if you're in a house, you just sit right there with everybody and you just stand there at the control board and you sing. I don't want no booth. You know, we just kind of all hang out and, and you get my age, you got to take a lot more breaks than you used to. <laughs> when you're recording stuff like that, that someone else wrote with you in mind, is it, is it easy for you to wrap your head around it real quick? Like the lyrically and that kind of thing, or do you prefer it when it's your own lyrics or? Well, I, I, I'm so used to singing, you know, the thing is I'm a professional musician. You know, I, I sing on so many things. That's that's just what I do. 
Uh, obviously, when you go do something like this, it's going to you're going to spend more time and, and even an effort. But I, I got to be honest, I do that with everything. I do love singing my own lyrics uh, and writing them like I'm doing today. You know, I'm a lot. I just kind of write them as I go on. And I enjoy singing more about. Well, you know, everything that's, you know, it's great. Trent is metal and heavy metal. You can sing about anything you want. Right. You know, you can hide politics in it somehow. If you want, you can write about race cars. You can write about monsters. You can write about the fans. You can write about sex, drugs and rock and roll, zombies, whatever. So it's kind of cool. So I put myself in all those lyrics. I mean, every project I do, whoever's writing lyrics, they always write them different than I do. That's just how it is. So but again, if you're a professional musician, you'll you'll just go into it and do it, you know. Like you mentioned earlier, putting hundred percent into this, is this something, I mean, have you guys had the discussion? Is this going to, are you guys looking at making this like a full-time band or is it still kind of a side project for everybody? Well, it, coming into us, it's a band, you know, I mean, yeah. it seems like a project now because we can't do it. We can't get out and do things like we'd like. I mean, the plan originally was that was going to come out in that summer of 2020, we were going to be playing some festivals. We were going to start touring. And so really it was, out of the gate this whole thing is is supposed to be full-time um whether it'll ever get back to that i don't know but it's definitely not a project it's a band there'll be another record we'll be we'll be touring the world the thing is you know ken's not going to go out and tour you know bob's big bamboo or you know johnny's local tavern like i would do it on solo i'll play anywhere from somebody's bar mitzvah to whatever i'm going to play anything um he, he's listen he's like man i'm seven years old i'm big stages for me man that's it i'm not i'm going and that's i love the fact because that's what we should do it's kk downing the production's going to be big everything's going to be big whether it's supporting somebody co-headlining shows or whatever we do it's going to be as big as we can do or, or it won't be done but it's a band and not a project you know it's i, I will have to at some point say i'm totally available to you you know, I mean, right, like right now, they know that I got to try to do some shows and and try to, to make money to, to make a living. Uh, but eventually I'll have to be 100 percent in and, and be ready. Have you guys spoken about the live show, like as far as set lists go and what you're looking to to do? I, well, I assume well, it's your area of priest and, of course, these tracks. Yeah, I think, you know, the funny thing about it, this is kk so into this stuff you know it's all he talks about i can't wait to play them all because there's a lot of songs like brothers of the road and i know people come off these first two heavy ones and they hear brothers of the road like i don't i don't like that one or, or it's different but that song's made to sing live man that's the you know that is a live tune or a tune you crank up on your radio or you know the next one uh raise your fist is what it's called and it's you know raise your fist you know you could just you can feel it, man. And there's a lot of different songs like that. But there's also some epic, longer songs that'll be great live. But we're we're definitely going to play "Burning Hell." Will be in the set list. Uh, it, listen, I've played these. I know Priest hasn't. I've played these songs since I left. Right. I mean, I've done tours playing both these records almost in their entirety. And uh, but you know, we did we did at the KK show. David Ellison show we did hell is home and, and burning hell at that show problem with hell is home is we played an E flat and they this is a great story because AJ said to, to Ken he goes KK do you know that 
Hell's Home was recorded in C, and we're playing it knee flat. He said, did you tell Tim that it's that high up? And he goes, I didn't tell him. He goes, don't tell him. Just let him come and sing, and he'll be fine, and he'll do it. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> you know, everybody's always talking about when we played in uh, live in London, we played D, which was a half step down from what Judas Priest tours live, right? And we were playing songs all the way up. But anyways, Hell's Home, 101, Burning Hell, a lot of songs. You know, I like to play, uh, you know, it's funny because I just saw Judas Priest played like, Rockarola on their last on that concert. I think, man, that's fantastic because I've told Ken I want to play Run of the Mill or Cheater actually off of that record. Um, but I'd love to. We'll probably play maybe Before the Dawn again because we played that at the at the show. But I don't think it's going to be filled with you know the regular Judas Priest songs. I think it really has to be some some obscure ones or different ones. And you know, you still might throw Exciter in there or something or Beyond the Realms of Death or something. But I, I really think it has to be like Cheaters and and Tyrant or something that's just a little different. Right. Well, this may be a dumb question, but since it's the 50th anniversary tour they're doing, do you wish that they would throw in a couple of your songs and have Rob sing them? Well, absolutely. I don't see why they wouldn't. I mean, Rob, is, you know, I think songs like, I mean, oh, he would, Burn in Hell, he would make sounds so good. I just think... Uh, it's Taylor. All these songs are Taylor made for him. You know, there's nothing that's that's different. You know, we're both very similar style singers. Uh, I might have a little more like Dio in me or something, but uh, yeah, Burning Hell would be great. And, you know, even them doing Bloodsuckers would be great because it was about the court case. But I think Burning Hell, because that's the big one, I think it would be awesome to hear him sing. I think it'd be great. Well, you guys have released videos for each of the first three singles. Is Can we expect that for the fourth single and anything beyond that? Yeah, well, the fourth single, yeah, we we recorded that. You know, we finally went out to England and did Brothers of the Road. When Brothers of the Road was done, we, we were on a timeline. So we had like, I shot the video and came home. The car scene of me getting in my car was... Ken's like, man, your car's pretty nice. You should, you should video you. You should record you getting in it and driving. I'm like, all right. So my, my daughter and I, I just landed. I go pick my daughter up and we go up to this road by the airport that no cars are at and try to drive back and forth and have her. So it came out really fast. And then we have another one coming out uh, uh, probably pretty soon. I'm not exactly sure, but it's done. So, and then after that, I, you know, it's going to start getting closer to the release time, hopefully here. You know, I know it's not till October 1st, but we'll probably put out something else. Uh, of some sort, probably closer to the release of the record. Maybe it, I keep trying to talk them into putting a lyric video out for uh, the return of the Sentinel, because it's probably one of my favorite songs on the record and it's kind of epic and it would be a great lyric video for And Ken's old school. So it's like, I don't know about the lyric video. I said, Ken, you can make them really cool. You don't even have to put stories into it. Just little things on the, on the you know, background and kind of just make it cool. You know, I mean, people love it. You kind of mentioned it earlier, but I noticed the songs I've heard. I've heard I had the chance to hear six of them that you do kind of draw from different styles. Like you said, Brothers of the Road's more of like a kind of a hard rocker compared to the straight up metal songs. Was there like a conscious effort, you know, from KK to try to like encapsulate the entire everything we know about Priest, you know, and what he, you know, into yeah, this album? I don't think so. I th- <laughs> I think he did on like songs like brothers of the road or, uh, 
raise your fists. I think I think he definitely wanted to get that vibe. I think with those songs, the, the lyrics are very tied in with obviously Brothers of the Road about us being on the road and the concerts and and uh, and raise your fist in the same. They're both very much towards the fans and towards the, the musicians themselves. So I think that's what's really cool about it. But I don't I just think he went in a road. I think those kind of songs he wanted to hit. He wanted to do them, you know, because you, you always have to think of songs live. I mean, look at their catalog. The most popular songs are those type of songs when he was in Judas Priest. I mean, that was the songs that that doesn't mean they're everybody's favorite songs, but that was the most popular songs that people could know. You got to have someone else listen to your music. It can't be just the diehard crazy fans that went to heavy metal stuff. You got to have everybody. You got to have their grandparents listen to it, too. <laughs> <laughs> This may be too early to ask this question, but where do you think this kind of, where do you rank this like in your entire discography of anything you've ever done? Well, I mean, it's all, it's, you know, it's hard for me always to rank stuff because there's different times and different reasons. I mean, making those Judas Priest records were, were pretty phenomenal for me, you know. Uh, didn't you make a record like Glorious Burden, which is, I learned more about history making the Glorious Burden than I did ever in school. Uh, but this is a great, it's a great record because of the timing of it, I think. You know, listen, metal's a lot better off right now than it was when I made Judas Priest. So that's a cool thing, you know. Um, but I think it's just, you know, we're older and we're still doing it. And this is as good as any record, you know, it's as good as, as in my opinion, any Judas Priest record or record of mine. It's a top-notch record. So I think that going with the age is, is really cool, you know. Yeah. Well, kind of playing off what you just said, was that, I mean, outside of having to step into someone revered like Rob Halford's shoes, was that time period kind of hard to navigate through because of, since metal was like basically Metallica and Pantera and that was it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, listen, we better thank goodness for those bands because they kept it around, didn't they? Because, yeah. you know, there was bands like Rat and Dokken and, and Death Angel and Testament. They they weren't even touring at that time. I mean, they were like... um yeah, it, I, it, you know, I got to be honest, the part of filling, filling up in for Rob coming in and, and doing that never bothered me because vocally I always, you know, brought it, you know, yeah. um, as Ken always said, proof is in the pudding. You would always tell people that. So I wasn't worried about that. You know, I wanted to make fans happy, but I just wanted to get up and sing. You know, if they didn't like it, some people you just you know, can't make happy I and mean, they're not going to be happy with it, but it was a lot tougher because when you look back, you know, I think people do understand that it was a hard time for priest because of not because of me, you know, I think, yeah. I don't think it ever would have been top notch, but I think it would have been a lot better if it was, you know, a better situation on, on time, but you know, you do what you do uh, to me. It was fantastic. You know, I have no regrets or, or look at it and, wished it was any different it was what it was probably made me a better singer and a better person for the way it was anyways you know because i gotta tell you what as hard as it had to be on those guys all the guys in judas priests and everything you never saw it with them they they were happy and it was great times you know so that i learned a lot from it well like you mentioned earlier you're a guy that's always doing something you've got you know, tons of music out there. Did the pandemic downtime kind of give you time to think of more ideas or do you have stuff well, coming down the pike that 
besides what you're working on right now and with KK? You know, you know, Trent, I just dropped my pen. I should have been resting my voice, to be <laughs> honest, because I've been saying this, you know, my voice isn't quite the same as it used to be. And I take all these remedies now I never used to. And I do this and that and the other. And it's just, you know, it's not the same voice as it was. Uh, but I'm probably a better singer than I was because I know what I have, I can use better than I could when I had a better voice. You know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like being a race car driver, just because your car might be a little bit slower. You might be a better driver so you can beat the guy with the faster car. And, uh, but I should have rested it. I didn't, uh, you know, I, I made my living mainly off the touring. So I, I thought to myself, what the hell am I going to do now? You know? And I started recording for people you know, I, I did a new Three Tremors record that'll be coming out. Uh, I got a band, uh, Pyramid, that I that I, I probably did about two records for them now that'll come out. It's a prog metal band. Uh, Project Levi The Leviathan Project is one I did some songs for. But then I just do songs every day, almost, or a couple a week at least for people all over the world. You know, different types of metal, raw metal hardcore metal because when you have a voice like mine you get offers from all kinds of people because i can pretty much sing anything yeah um so it's really cool you know and i never charge too much money i kind of keep it low i've always said don't ever burn any bridges you know unless it's for a big label then you know it could be a lot higher and it has been a lot higher so i do different fees for different people but it's it's kept me it's kept me busy and, and kept me doing a lot of stuff well, speaking on that, some friends of mine here in Oklahoma in a band Fist of Rage, you recorded the song "Your Rage of Judas for them this yeah. past year. Like, yeah. What did you think of that track and the experience recording that? It was awesome, you know, and it's funny because I come in here and I spend I spend a good amount of time on the songs. So uh, I try. I mean, they'll they'll probably tell you that. Uh, I'll put a lot of vocals down. I'll do a lot of layering. I'll do a lot of stuff to, so they can work with it. Yeah, it was a good track, and it's fun to do stuff just like that, you know. Um, I kind of I like the fact that I get to do that. It helps me out as a musician as well. I can hear stuff. It might make me bring an old-style voice back every now and then I don't use as much or uh, realize, wow, that's a cool register I just sang in or whatever, you know. It's funny because – on this new stuff I'm doing with this prog stuff with, with Paramore, I've been writing and my influence of David Bowie's come out more. They'll be it'll all of a sudden go in a section and it's got like this, this Bowie like thing. I don't even know if you can hear it in the background, but it's kind of like, uh, let's see if we can hear it in the background if we can, but it's, it, it makes you, well, let's see. It's, it's, uh, but I'm just sitting there writing it now, but they'll go into, I guess there's no Bowie parts here. <laughs> I know there is, but it's fun to just, I mean, it's just, and I've been writing as I go on, but you get to sit here and write these things with these people. Um, here's some Bowie. Anyways, but it's fun to do that. So I get to tracks like your friends tracks and do those. And, you know, I keep it really, when I write there, when I sing their stuff, I keep it really straightforward. And, and, uh, I try to, 
keep it to what their idea is, you know, and then just add myself to it. It's fun. That was a good track. Cool. Well, you mentioned Glorious Burden earlier, and the only times I've had the chance to see you live were twice on that tour. And that's one of my favorite albums of the last 20 years. Like, do you have any good memory? Well, you mentioned learning a lot about history from it, but do you have any good memories of like recording that album and that tour specifically? Yeah, it was good. It was fun. It was good recording it. You know, I mean, I, I enjoyed uh, the, I enjoyed framing Armageddon more because it was more for me. And the other one, obviously, was Matt had already recorded the vocals before me. So uh, it was something not written for me again. Framing was, but it was a good time. You know, it was it was good recording it. I mean, um, like I said, the history aspect of it and learning stuff. And, you know, it was uh it was nice coming right from, I mean, I was still on Judas Priest when I actually recorded Oh, okay. Glory's Burden. I didn't yeah, realize so that. it was kind of the end was, the end was near. I, <laughs> so I knew it. I wasn't going to be a member of Ice Earth. I was just going to be a guest singer. And then Judas Priest let me go. And, and then I joined it, you know, so it was a good beginning and a bad ending for that <laughs> band. So, right. That's how it was. Yep. All right, man. Well, I appreciate taking the time with me today. I'm looking forward to hearing the rest of this album. You got it, buddy. Thanks a lot. Anything else again, just give me a shout. There you go, Tim Ripper Owens of KK's Priest. A huge thank you to Jamie from For the Wind Media for her help setting this thing up. And of course, a massive thank you to Ripper for taking some time out there to talk to me about KK's Priest. And of course, Iced Earth, Judas Priest, our good friends in Fist of Rage, and all kinds of stuff. So, Speaking of, let's play that track right now. Here is the track that I mentioned to Tim and he was talking about that he worked on. This is Tim Ripper Owens singing with Fist of Rage, The Rage of Judas.
Rage of Judas from Fist of Rage featuring Tim Ripper Owens. Kick-ass stuff. We've got the chance to play that song when they first released it. Absolutely love Fist of Rage. If you're not familiar with them, pull them up on their social medias. Give them a follow. And of course, pull up their music. They've got some great albums out there. They've got more stuff coming. Can't wait to hear from them. Fist of Rage. Check it out. Alright, if this is your first time listening, a huge thank you. Man, if you like people with amazing voices like Ripper, Glenn Hughes, in my opinion, is one of the two or three greatest rock singers of all time. I was lucky enough to talk to him and have him on this show last year. He is now the vocalist of the Dead Daisies, and of course, all that classic stuff he's done with Deep Purple and Black Country Communion and everything in between, so check that one out. We had on Alex Skolnick from Testament, Dave Ellison from Megadeth's been on here a couple times, Frank Hannon from Tesla's been on here multiple times, Damon Johnson from Brother Kane and Black Star Riders and Alice Cooper and everything he's done has now been on here five times, Paige Hamilton from Helmet, Kenny Hickey from Typo Negative, Tommy Victor from Prong, Gene Simmons from a band called Kiss. Bruce Kulick, formerly of Kiss. Man, the list is long. Dizzy Reed of Guns N' Roses. Vivian Campbell of Def Leppard. The list just keeps on going, so just dig through it all. Check it all out. VethoUnderground.com. You can see all our socials. Give us a like and follow. Anytime you see something, like it or comment, that helps us out as well. Wherever you're listening to this right now, Subscribe or follow so you don't miss any future episodes. You can listen to us pretty much anywhere podcasts are heard. You can listen to us directly off our website, whatever you prefer. Speaking of future episodes, we've got Mike and Tony from In Theory coming back on here pretty soon. Mike's been on here a couple times. Tony was on here once before. Great blues-based rock band out of the Nashville area. Can't wait to hear more from them. They've got an EP coming soon. We've also got a very surprise episode next week that none of us ever saw coming, I don't think. So, hey, more about that when it happens. And like I mentioned earlier, you'll probably see Doug Burgess on here before Rocklahoma hits. Have a couple other surprises in store. A couple other things that should be recorded soon. I can announce soon enough. But until then, we appreciate you listening. Once again, a big thank you to For the Wind Media, Tim Ripper Owens, Hella Hot Hot Sauce. Med Farm, Sunset Tattoo, and DEB Concerts. And until next time. Thunder Underground, y'all. Thunder Underground.